0: Properly. There it is. Okay. This thing it takes a lot of getting used to. Morning everybody. so good to see all your bright faces. Um, I'm so honored to be back to to speak God's word to you guys. Um, It's humbling every time I get the experience. Um, I want to welcome uh, my brother Eric and his wife Haley. Uh, They're here out of town. Uh, It's so good to have them here. And I also want to welcome all new uh, newcomers um, and also members. Um, I want to make a note though. Unlike many other churches, we don't have a class or a verification of faith in order to determine if you're a member or not. Because that's not what it's about, right? We're not just a cool club. We're, we're a family. And we're all united, like James said, under the headship of Christ. So when you put your faith in Christ, you're a brother, you're a sister, you're already a member, right? I'm no different than any one of you. And when you're led by the Spirit, that makes you a member of the family. So I just wanted to make that point uh, because it's it's important to me. I don't have ink uh, at my house printer, so I'm doing this off this tiny screen. So please have some grace. (laughs) All right. I think I've pretty much covered the whole opening. Sweet. So the opening image, let's take a look at this. So have you ever been at a point in your life when you can't hear the Lord? Maybe you have never heard the Lord. Maybe you heard him initially when you began your walk, but since then you're not really sure. Today, the Lord wants to speak to you. We are diving into the Old Testament of the Holy Canon of Scripture to better understand how God speaks to those that he loves. We have heard a bit from Matt on this back in March. Um, He did like a standalone sermon. Um, Some of you may have been here for that one. Um, But he taught us that most of the time when God calls his people, he usually uses the word go, right? Uh, And we hear Jesus echo this in the New Testament when uh, I think it was in John 8 around verse 11, he says, go and sin no more, right? He says that a lot whenever he performs miracles and heals people. He says, your sins are forgiven. Go, you know. Some, he say, you know, remain quiet. Don't talk about me yet. It's not my time. Some, he says, go and tell people what all that I've done for you. So, I also want to make a point that communication is so important in every relationship, right? Whenever my wife is talking to me, and I'm just zoning out. You guys ever do that? Just zone out. And she's like, babe, babe, babe. She definitely lets me know whenever I need to listen to her, when she has something to tell me, right? So the same is true with our relationship with the Father. In order to hear the Lord, we need to turn our ear to him. We all can recognize that there comes a time of need or a time of lack in our lives. And God recognizes this too. He also makes a way for us to tap into his divine knowledge, his divine wisdom. All that is required is for us to ask. It is in these times of need that one is often most receptive to the word of God speaking to them. So I think that something that we as servants of the living God must understand as well as possible is how he speaks to us. If we don't understand what it means, uh, what, by what means the master speaks to his servants, we cannot even begin to hear him. If we cannot hear him, then we certainly can't act out his will. Then Jesus teaches that doing the will of the Father is loving him. Loving the Father is loving the Son and the fulfillment of all the law. The truth is, is that we're naturally inclined not to do this. Which is why we need him so badly. We need his grace, his mercy, his love, his justice, his goodness, his wisdom, and his truth. We need to understand how he informs us of his will so that we can heed his commands and follow him. So the text of the scripture that we're going to be reading today is 1 Kings chapter 19. A lot of you may think, oh no, the Old Testament. No, we've been in the New Testament so long. Please, no genealogy. Don't worry, there's no genealogy in this story. (laughs) Um, I didn't put it up on the slides because it's we're reading pre- pretty much a full chapter. So if you don't have a Bible, don't feel ashamed. Just turn to the neighbor next to you and ask if, if they can uh, share with you. you guys can read along together and then maybe you'll make a friend. All right, cool. All right, so just to give some context here. first Kings chapter eighteen is the chapter where Elijah is going up against the prophets of Baal, and they go to the altar, and the Baal prophets are like, our God is God. He's going to destroy this altar and whatever. And then Elijah's like, no, dude, try it. If Baal is God, he's going to call down his fire. If my God is God, he's going to call down his fire. And so he, he ends up proving to them through God's faithfulness, right? He says he calls... He himself prays that God would reveal himself and prove that he was the true God. He calls down his fire, and the fire is so hot that it licks up all the water all over the altar, a, and there's a trench around it full of water. It's just proved to them in front of their eyes, and they, uh, Elijah orders them, taking all the prophets of Baal, to take them down to the river, and they just kill them all with a sword. Kind of gruesome. That's God's judgment, right? Sometimes it's a little more than we can handle. So chapter 19, Jezebel, the queen, of, uh, the queen of Ahab, so Ahab is the king, she was like really all into Baal and she's like, I'm going to kill Elijah. So she sends a messenger to him saying, if I don't kill you by tomorrow, let God kill me. So Elijah's terrified and that's where we're at now. All right. So Before we read, let me go ahead and say a prayer. Oh, wait, no, that's after I read. Never mind, I'm getting mixed up. All right, let's read. (laughs) All right, um, so chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. He asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he laid down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I alone, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I alone, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way, to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be the king of Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of abel mehola you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. All right, let's go ahead and stop there, because we've covered the bulk of, of what I'm going to be preaching about today. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Father, I ask your blessing over the hearts of your people as we long to know and hear you and follow your word. Lord, we need you. We need your wisdom in our lives because we are so lost without you. Lord, bless the teaching this morning with your mighty hand and fill this place with your spirit to guide us into your loving arms. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. amen. All right, so today we're going to be talking about how God speaks to his people. And to do that, we're going to kind of take into account four questions. These are our goals, or our goal is to answer these four questions by the end of this morning. So these four questions are, first, how does God speak to his people? Second, how do we hear God speaking to us? Third, how do we know it's God speaking? And fourth, how do we know when to act or just to listen? So, with the first question, how does God speak to his people? In the text of scripture, we read that God either uses angel messengers, human messengers, or he speaks himself out of his own mouth. Through those modes of communication, they manifest themselves either externally or internally, whether it be... Visions, or um, just audibly hearing God's commission, right? So, the text we read this morning is very insightful in answering this question uh, if we read carefully. So, we we read of an angel, right, appearing to Elijah as he's fleeing Jezebel. And he wants to die. So, he falls down under a broom tree, and the angel says, Arise and eat. Um, We also read of God himself speaking to Elijah. Uh, If you'll notice, God does so in two ways. Like I said, internally and externally. The Lord calls Elijah out of the cave that he's hiding in with an internal voice. And it seems to be a kind of voice that Elijah is used to hearing as a prophet because of the way that he reacts to it. He's just like, okay, that's it. I'm just going to respond to God's voice within me, right? Right? So the Lord says, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. It's like the sternness of a father. If you like, hear this and you're a father, you can kind of see a dad saying, you, get over here, I have something to tell you, right? Something important that you need to hear. So as I read this, I find something interesting. Before Elijah goes out, a wind, an earthquake, and a fire happen. Elijah can probably see out of the entrance of the cave, right? It's probably not like he's in the middle of darkness. He's probably just like, just inside the entrance, he can see outside. And he's witnessing these things. He's witnessing the rocks like falling down in the cave around him, like about to bury him, right? Imagine how scary that would be to, to be there <laughs> when you know God's outside <laughs> making this happen. I also think that it's really fascinating how... Elijah makes a point to say that God's not in those physical occurrences, right? God's spirit. God was there in spirit, but just his presence there was causing these physical occurrences. This time, the second time that God speaks to him, it's an, an external voice, and you can tell by his reaction. And note that both times the Lord speaks, he asks the same question. What are you doing here, Elijah? Has anyone ever heard this in their head when they are somewhere that they know they're not supposed to be? I have. What are you doing here? <laughs> hmm. So in this narrative, Elijah is running for his life from people who want to kill him. Although although Elijah is just coming down from this amazing exhibition that we talked about, about chapter 18, of God's faithfulness and power, he's still running from the earthly things in life that want to take his life. He's still grasping to those things even though he saw firsthand that God could, could, could protect him. No problem. Elijah knows that he shouldn't be hiding. Instead, he should be following God's will for his life. Whether that leads to the grave or not, right? Elijah gives God the same answer as before when he answers him the second time. And I read God's question as a rhetorical one. A way of kind of showing Elijah gently the error of his ways. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Why are you not following my commands? Why are you not following my commission for your life? And you know it's wrong. Once Elijah's heart is softened, he is ready. Then God gives him his command and then even a prophecy at the end. So just to sum that up, how does God speak to his people He uses angels, he uses other people, or he speaks himself, either internally or externally. So the second question, how do we hear God speaking to us? We hear God speaking when we have an ear for his voice. In truth, God doesn't ever stop speaking to us. He's always showing us that he's there. He's always showing us that he's faithful. As I said before, God uses his angels, his people, and he speaks to us directly. However, we must change ourselves, or we must be changed, or offer ourselves up to be changed, in order to hear his voice with discernment. However, ultimately, we have to be born again to hear his voice. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be born again? Last month, I watched a sermon written by my dad's pastor um, in Texas, um, Pastor Keith, and I think he summed this up better than I could have ever thought up myself, so I'm just going to quote him. You know, steal his material. <laughs> the experience of a new life by the Spirit is where the truth of the gospel becomes real to the heart. I'll say that one more time. The experience of a new life Being born again by the Spirit is where the truth of the gospel becomes real in the heart. So put simply, it's a realization and a change of heart. This is the precise change of heart required to grant us new ears to hear the voice of the Lord. For those of us that are stubborn, like your boy Elijah here, and me, Sometimes it requires a little bit extra, right? Sometimes something more is needed. Sometimes when we are at our lowest and at the doorstep of destruction or facing chaos in life, God uses affliction to soften our hearts. Now, don't hear me wrong. God doesn't cause affliction. God allows affliction, right? Satan is the one who causes affliction. We read that in Job But the Lord allows affliction because he knows, because he's all-knowing, he knows that through those difficulties, we will realize how much we need him, how much growth there is in him, not in ourselves. It's an opportunity, but ultimately it takes a choice for us to put our trust in him through those afflictions that will cause that whole chain reaction to happen right? The affliction comes. Instead of relying on ourselves or relying on anything else, we rely on him, and he causes growth in us for his glory. Look how Elijah answers God's question. He says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed the prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I can hear the, like, sorrow and fear in his voice, right? Like a kid trying to get the message out while they're sobbing, you know? Elijah had lost hope. He wanted to die. And it was at this moment that the Lord showed his faithfulness. He restored the hope and redeemed the honor and courage within Elijah. So to sum that second question up, how do we hear God speaking to us? We must be born again and we must put on those new ears Of that new body through faith in Christ how do we know it's God speaking right this one's a little bit this one touches home a little bit right people may think you're crazy as a Christian because you claim to hear God's voice when I have told people that God told me to tell them something I've gotten a lot of weird looks (laughs) people usually look at me like a mental case Sometimes prayer can even be seen by some unbelievers as delusional people talking to themselves. So, how do we get past all of that doubt and discredit to really understand when God is speaking to us? To answer this, I'm actually going to flip to the New Testament. Yay. 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. I'll give you guys some time to, to flip there. Yep, First uh, John chapter four, verses one through six. Somebody wanna wanna read this? Volunteer. All right, first one to stand up. All right. <laughs> yes, one through six. All right. Did you guys hear that? So here, the Apostle John is saying that in order to know the Spirit of God is the Spirit of God, is to test the Spirit that's speaking to you as it speaks to you. If it confirms the truth of the gospel, it is from God. If it contradicts it, it is evil. I've been asked by unbelievers before, if God told you to go shoot up a school, would you do it? At first, it seems like a really dumb and insensitive question, whenever someone has asked me that. But then, upon reflection, and kind of calming my heart down a little bit, by the grace of God, (laughs) I realize the validity in the question. If a Christian hears the Spirit tell them to harm a child or lead a mass suicide event or, and they follow through with it, that Christian is either truly deranged or purposefully sent to discredit the truth of the gospel. Absolutely. These attempts can present themselves subtly and grow very fast. And they will bring destruction upon your life and lives around Um, so take heart and be vigilant to study the word, study the character and the nature of God through his word, and take up the word as a tool and as a weapon to arm yourself against the attacks of Satan, because that's exactly what Jesus did in the desert. How did he combat even the perversion of scriptures by Satan? He threw that scripture right back at him, right? He resisted him. So test the voices that you hear. It's kind of a weird thing to say. Test the voices that you hear. (laughs) Test the voice that you hear. Compare them to the character and nature of God. Compare them to the gospel. If things don't add up, pray and immerse yourself in the word because you're probably under attack. So to sum that one up, how do we know God is speaking to us when we, through the Spirit, we are able to discern what is from God and what isn't based off of if it claims the truth of the gospel or not and if it aligns with the character of God. And finally, the last question, how do we know when, the, when to act or just to listen? So the Lord knows what we need, and through his spirit will grant us exactly that. It's not just what we pray for the most, that we need the most. Although God's word teaches us that you have not, you have not because you ask not, he also tells us to ask, seek, and knock, right? And the door will be opened. The Lord knows what you need before you ask, in my mind, that means that the Lord has a plan of how to give you what you most desperately need once you ask of it of Him. He provides a way. Whether that way be miraculous or just a provided opportunity, it makes no difference and it's an answered prayer, so praise Him for it. It is crucial that we have a joyous heart even through suffering and affliction because it shows God that he is all that we need. He has already done so much. Just to be alive is a blessing. Reflect on your life at a moment when, whether through your decisions or the decisions of others, you almost weren't here, and then see God's hand in that. We learn through the life of Christ that gratitude, joy, and contentedness are ideas that we should strive to embody every day. One might say, don't be so naive, Ethan. Life happens. Fear, pain, and loss are a fact of life. It's only natural to feel these things, and I'd say that you're right. We live in a fallen world, and there's a lot of unfortunate realities of the world, But the Lord calls us to be in the world, not of it. This means that as followers of Christ, that is disciples or imitators of the Son of God and God himself, we should keep a strong trust and reliance completely on the faithfulness of God. Our hope should be in Christ, in Christ alone. Not in your prescription, not in your news outlet not in your political representative not your military not your paycheck or your job or your own ability but in christ it's not easy for anyone only one was able to do it perfectly and that's why we call ourselves christians the way that we know whether god wants us to act or listen is simple He will tell you. Read the word of God. He will tell you plainly in ways that you can understand. He loves you. He loves us all. He knows you better than you know yourself and he knows exactly what you need, whether that be a kick in the rear or a loving embrace. He controls the universe and he will provide a way. Believe in that. Even if you don't see a way forward, believe that with all your being. Be cautious, though, because God knows us so well that he can see the motivations of our hearts. And if he senses a motive that is in contrast to his will, he will issue judgment. I can tell you from personal experience, (laughs) he will issue judgment, and it's a righteous judgment. So i'm going to go through a little bit of application today right let's sum up that last one real quick so just sum it up how do we know when to act or just to listen god will tell you so what does god want us to do with these truths i have a list of everything to wrap up this sermon here first repent and believe in christ second Put on the new ears that he provides through his spirit. Third, be vigilant and listening for his voice. Fourth, arm yourself with the word of God. Fifth, analyze the spirits that guide you in accordance with the scriptures. And lastly, follow his commands. So draw your hope in Christ, my friends and in the righteousness of his holy blood that was spilt to split the veil and swing the gates of heaven open confess by the spirit that Jesus Christ is lord king and master and the only way to eternal life share the truth of the gospel with everyone bless everyone do good to everyone embody love as described in second corinthians chapter 13 and John 15:13, and bring your worries and needs to God in earnest prayer. Not for the hope that he may answer the prayer, but in certainty that he is already. So let's go ahead and pray. As I pray, uh, the worship team could, could come back up and lead us through um, acapella doxology. Are you guys cool with that? All right, cool. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you again for this humbling experience of being able to be your mouthpiece in the world. I pray that I have done you well and that I have fulfilled your will, Lord. I pray that, I pray over every heart in this room that you would speak to every heart in this room. That every ear would be tuned to your voice, and that those ears would be faithful to listen. Lord, I pray that you give us the tools, the word, and the scripture to combat all misguidance and all evil in our lives, and that you would be our sword and our shield, our rod and our staff. And that you would comfort us through these difficult times and all these afflictions, Lord, because we know that you are good, we know that you are faithful to do so. We ask these things and pray these things in the name of Jesus, the Lion and the Lamb. Amen. 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 Praise God. From whom all blessings flow Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and go to the doctor leader, and then we'll end it on Alright,
1: let's say this together over each other. <laughs> May the grace. So Lord Jesus Christ, Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit with, with you, you all. Amen. Amen.